Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. been following in the gospel of Luke for several weeks now. Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem. He set his face to head to the place where he will be crucified. That which he's predicted, that which he says is going to happen. This gospel passage that was just read in your hearing by the Holy Spirit, maybe by Jesus himself, has been placed in the Gospels and in the lectionary cycle once every three years for pastors who would dare to preach from it to follow in that same path towards crucifixion. (laughs) Thus, I choose to lean into the passage from Jeremiah this morning. Okay, just kidding. We'll get back to the gospel passage. Hold all your thoughts and all your gasp and all your, could Jesus really mean that questions? Hold those. We might get back to those in the gospel. But there is an interplay between the God who shapes us, the God who oversees the formation of the world, of of creation itself, of humanity, the God who is the shaper of destiny, the one who is like, the potter in creation and we created beings are the clay and we we just have to stay on the wheel god is the one who shapes god the one by his grace by god's wisdom is is shaping god has has an idea of where things are going and god can take even the resistance of the clay on the wheel and create something beautiful still we that that's the very nature of a potter and clay and one of the first things i find fascinating beautiful powerful if you've ever been around pottery at all it's very well you might say incarnational and what i mean by that is like you get down with the clay and the stuff and usually i mean if if it's a big kiln and big piece of pottery i mean the stuff's all over the potter right i mean it is very you're very involved and so the picture is a god who's very involved the picture is a god who's right down here in the dirt in the clay he's right down here in the very things of life he's right down here in the mess with us and and he's not just in the mess with us i mean the imagery of potter and clay is the potter's getting the mess on from from the project on them well it's messy work creation is messy work oh dealing with us human beings is messy work you'll get you'll get things on you or jesus might put it you might get things driven into you. The, not just the, the, the grime and the dust of, of creation or of us human beings being the clay, like the very imperfections even be transferred to the person of Jesus himself. I mean, God gets right down in the dirt, in the clay to shape us. Really, the whole of Scripture is the story of God shaping. 
from, from the creation narrative where God said, let there be light all the way. God breathing breath into human beings and said, human beings are created in, in divine image and God shaping and God shaping and creating and God and human beings pushing back and you've got Noah in the flood. Like, I don't have time to tell the whole story of scripture, but you'll get the idea here in a moment. God shaping, God creating, humans resisting, humans resisting to the point that they want to do away with God and build the Tower of Babel and an empire where they say, we've got this God and pushing God out of the equation and God continues to shape and create, says, no, we're going to scatter the languages and I'm going to establish a covenant with a family with a man named abraham and god shapes and creates and and that family goes through all kinds of travails and trials and resistance i mean just reading through the book of genesis it's amazing that god has the patience with us human beings the book of genesis the story of god's faithful shaping to a rebelling people allowing even one of those humans to wrestle with him and live to tell about it Jacob, who's walking with a limp, God shaping and forming, and and then the the people into Egypt land, and God has not forgotten them, and He hears the cries of the oppressed and calls Moses. Oh, God's not finished with the with ones who've gone down to Egypt. He's still shaping and forming. And by the way, don't forget to write yourself into the story here, as we're being reminded of the story. God's shaping and forming, and and then He He calls Moses, and they're let out in uh, out of Egyptian bondage into the wilderness and there's a pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night and and when the people complain oh god responds to the resistance on the potter's wheel and he responds and sends some he sends some manna by morning and he sends some quail and they say oh we've had enough of just bread only and and he even brings water from a rock i mean god responds even to the people's resistance and keeps shaping and forming he, he calls leaders, judges, and he, he even calls some, I mean, you read through judges and there's weird and strange and strong leaders like Samson, like, well, how in the world do you use a guy with those kind of priorities? But anyway, if you know the story, God shaping and forming through all kinds of people. And he doesn't give up on us, and then they want a king, and God's brokenhearted that they want a king, but he, he gives them a king, and he's shaping and forming and trying to show covenant, trying, God trying to show God as, as the good and loving and faithful God who's bringing good into the world and good into the life of, of those who are with God, and they're still resisting and pushing back, and every now and again, God will send a prophet. He'll send a prophet of renewal, and, and that's a part of God's shaping and forming and forming us and forming the people of God. And he sends prophets that, that remind us of the original call to be a blessing to all the fans of, families of the earth. And he sends prophets like Elijah and Elisha and then Isaiah and Jeremiah and, oh, Amos and Hosea and Micah, and he sends minor prophets with a major message he sends major prophets with a major message he sends prophets who say a lot and prophets who say a little but they're all to reform the people of god after the image that god has in mind of course this goes all the way through to there there seems to be about 400 years of silence and then god sends the ultimate shaper the ultimate one who would who would let us know that god is with us and forming us and the virgin conceived, and a baby was born in Bethlehem, Jesus. 
Christ the Lord and God continues to speak and to walk among us and now God's really involved in the project now God's really involved in the pottery project of us human beings and he's shaping and he's forming us and and he is oh he is getting the mess and the religious leaders and they wanted they were they were they were after him from the word go I mean, they were after him from the word go. Luke 4, they're already ready to get him. They're ready to push Jesus off a cliff. Mark 3, they're looking for a way to bring charges against him. They've had enough of this person who is not exactly according to their laws and rituals. And God is involved with the brokenness, and he touches the leper, and he he makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, and he eats with all the wrong people, and he shows himself, Jesus showing himself more than willing to be involved in the mess of the pottery shaping reality of the human endeavor like with us in our mess he's willing he's willing to allow his cleanness to transfer his cleanness to our uncleanness he's willing to have table fellowship that will cause people to gossip about him he's willing to invite anyone to be around him oh he is involved in the mess and shaping and forming all the way to the cross and then God showing that he is the ultimate shaper of our lives and of humanity that that the cross is God taking all of the mess of humanity upon God's self upon within Jesus and then through the resurrection and there's there's hope and God says I I'm gonna take everything about life about humans every step you've made every misstep you've made every ditch you've fallen in every bit of rebellion every bit of resistance on the potter's wheel every way in which you have been clay that have been hard to work with I'm gonna take that and shape it still into something beautiful God will not give up on us ever 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 God has never given up on a human being. We cannot do enough rebelling for God to give up. He may turn us over to our own devices, but, he, but God does not give up. He, he may wait and weep like he did for the prodigal to come home in Luke 15, but, it, but God doesn't give up. God's, God's waiting on the, on the porch of heaven, if you will, waiting for any of his children to come back. And, and somehow it seems at times God is so good that even when we think we're off in the far land, wandering and... and like the prodigal that God's still shaping and forming. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I hide from your spirit? Even there, your right hand will guide me. God's hand is always on our lives. God's hand, likewise, has always been on the life of his people, not just in the biblical story, but, but in the story of of Christianity the story of the church God forming people historically God forming people from the very time that Jesus was raised and Mary goes running and saying I've seen the Lord and God's forming a people and he's forming a group of disciples and the first person one of the first people to get formed is that is that guy Peter you know Peter who who says oh Lord even if I have to die with you I will never deny you Jesus says oh yes you will And indeed he did, and Peter is broken, and yet he is so reshaped and formed by the risen Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Peter, who can't stand but say, I have never seen the man, I don't know the man around a fire, then by the book of Acts he is saying, this Jesus whom you crucified but God raised from the dead, you talk about being reshaped and reformed. 
Peter's been made new. Oh, and then there's that guy, Saul of Tarsus. You know, Paul, he, he was going off another way. He's standing there when Stephen is stoned, and he's given approval to Stephen's death. And, and he gets reshaped and reformed. He's still on the potter's wheel, and God is shaping. He's shaping the religious zealot Saul of Tarsus into the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul, who wrote such a majority of the New Testament letters. God is always shaping and, and in those early years of the church shaping through house meetings and house churches and people giving away their possessions and, and God still shaping and forming even through the time of Constantine 3, 312 AD when the church has made the official religion of the state and maybe we still haven't quite recovered from that but that would be another talk for another day. God's still shaping and forming, shaping and forming through the dark ages and through the middle ages. And, and he shaped and formed through the desert mothers and the desert fathers who go off and say, wait, we can't quite deal with the church being the official religion of the state. And they go off into the deserts and, and learn contemplative prayer and contemplative action and stillness. And we still have lessons to learn from those ancient mystics and saints from, from thousands of years ago, from the early years of, of, of Christianity. God's shaping and forming, and you could do a sweep of church history where God's been shaping the people of God through all of our missteps and rebellions and divisions and arguments and, and denominations and fracturing. God's still shaping God, not giving up on his people just like he didn't give up on his people Israel. God shaping and forming. And that shaping and forming of a God who won't give up is the God who won't give up on us individually either. How much of our lives, if we were to write our spiritual memoir, is, is a story of that being on the potter's wheel where God is shaping and forming and we're resisting and, oh, whoop, maybe it's got to be a little different shape. Oh, I'm still going to make something beautiful. Oh, wait a minute. They, they've done runoff. Oh, they're not, going, they're, they're not even following me anymore. Oh, there's, there's this problem. Oh, there's that problem. Oh, and God's still shaping and forming. He won't give up he won't give up his hand the potter's hands are going to shape because that's what the potter's hands do so we stay on the potter's wheel and that's prioritizing putting god first and now we get to that gospel passage Was anybody troubled when that was read? <laughs> Did anybody have some questions? He who does not hate father or mother more than me, brothers, sisters. And then he ends was he who does not sell all his possessions is not worthy of being my disciple. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> but it seems that Jesus, who has made a definitive decision that he will be obedient, obedient even unto death, death on a cross, Jesus who has set his face to Jerusalem, Jesus has made his priority plain. His priority is humanity. His priority is you and me. His priority is all of us. His priority is that he is going to die a death that demonstrates that sin won't have the last word and die a death that says love will have the final word and hope will have, have the final word. Jesus has a mission. He will not be deterred. So Jesus is earning the right to say to us, get your priorities straight. Get your priorities straight.
Is it literal? I mean, obviously, there's all honor your father and mother. Jesus not, is not undoing the Ten Commandments. He's just saying get your priorities straight. And sometimes it's hard to choose between vanilla and chocolate. Sometimes it's hard to choose because both can seem really good. And it's not that one is bad. It's just that one must be ultimate. You see, when God is not ultimate in first place, then, then we get out of sorts. And oh, how many demonstrations do we have of that in the world today where, where we push back violently as the clay on the wheel by choosing other things first. Oh, you might think I'm getting ready to talk about individual things and the Holy Spirit can bring those to mind for each of us. But we choose other things. Like, it's really hard. Okay. Where do we get our priorities messed up as Christians in America today? Where do we put other things first? Not, not that the other things we put first are bad things. They just don't belong as first things. If Jesus says, he who does not hate mother, father, brother, or sister, and says, put priority of following Jesus over everything and over family in some ways, he's saying, get your priorities straight. Family falls in line there. Oh, we love our families. We're called to love our families. All that is true, but it gets to be second place, doesn't it? It gets to be underneath putting God first. Well, if he says that, then surely he would also say, God is first before nation, before identity, before flag. God is first. God is first. You see, sometimes we can, get, we can get good things and we try to make them ultimate things and we think if we step on one thing, we're stepping on both things. You know, we can, we can actually have a civil conversation about how can America be a nation that, that, is, that lives together well and we can have prophets speak about how America can do a better job and we don't, we, they are not attacking the God that we follow. Sometimes the flag is so wrapped around Christianity in America to talk bad about, about America, people think we're talking bad about God and that my friends is idolatry first place is demanded Jesus says he who does not sell all their possessions is not worthy of me and and we we have things like oh the economy the economy the economy and and you know I remember one time the economy being the thing that was so blessed that that the, the best thing that we could do for America was to go buy something. Well, <laughs> seems like the best thing we could do as followers of Jesus is just do something for somebody else. Materialism will get us. Worshiping the economy will get us. Worshiping mammon will get us. And, and the thing is that Jesus is saying you've got to get your priorities straight because he's really talking about mammon. violence war like we glorify all kinds of things and we're called to put god first jesus first it doesn't mean the other things are bad it means that jesus is first 
It doesn't mean that we, we cease to have appreciation for, for those who serve, but Jesus is first. It doesn't mean that, that we stop supporting or encouraging or praying for, but Jesus is first. You see, if we didn't at least say something that was a bit uncomfortable, we wouldn't be true to the gospel passage here. If I tried to wash it away and make it easy to swallow, it wouldn't be true to the gospel passage here. I'm pretty sure that Jesus' original hearers were pretty shocked. We live in a world today that to say certain things, we get categorized as right, left, conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican, which already belies the reality that it's all about whether Jesus is first rather than, like, I just want somebody to say, man, that guy, these people, they are Jesus freaks. They are followers of Jesus. Man, I don't know what to think about some of the things, that the, the way they serve and the way they love, but man, they are Jesus freaks. All they know is to talk about is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus earned first place in our priorities. He earned first place in our priorities. along the way of the cross. We share in communion the Eucharist today, the Lord's Supper. And Jesus earned his way to say he can make those demands that we make a decision to follow him because he walked the way and his body was broken for us. Sacred space for our healing, he paid the price to demonstrate the love of God and show the place of the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. His blood was shed, his, his blood that's the cup of the new covenant. Jesus earned that way to say we're in first place. We would do well this morning to be ready to just humbly confess that we fall short. I'm going to pray a prayer of confession. We don't have it printed this morning for you, but just in your hearts, pray this along with me as we prepare for communion. And, and before we pray this prayer, all are invited. It's Jesus' table. You'll come forward, you'll take the cup and take the bread and take it back to your seat. We'll take the elements together. But if you are here, Jesus has set the table for you. He set the table. He has prepared the meal, if you will. And he's paid the price and sent the invitation. There's room at the table. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent.
For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways for the glory of your name. And now, O God, may you, by the touch of your Holy Spirit, set apart, touch, sanctify these elements of communion that they may be food for our souls indeed and that they may be a statement that we make to you and to ourselves that because you have given all for us, we will choose you first. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 930 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www.fbcottawa.org.